Welcome to the Make Light Show, the podcast that's all about curating meaning and joy in a light-filled life and part of the Life Listened Podcast Network. I'm Karen Walrand, photographer, storyteller, and author of The Beauty of Different, Observations of a Confident Misfit. Join me as I speak with light seekers and light makers from around the world, learning all about how they live with intention and a sense of adventure. It's proof that positivity, creativity, and kindness make the world go round. I got to know my friend Carmen Sonyovi almost 12 years ago when she ran an award-winning blog called Racialicious about the intersection of race and pop culture. We have a lot in common. We're both immigrants, we're both in interracial marriages, and we were both brand new to the blogging world. Unfortunately, over the years we lost touch, but caught up with each other again just a few months ago. Nowadays, she's a mother of two daughters and is the founder of Top Flight Family, an online destination about luxury travel with kids. It's apparently not as unattainable as you might think. So join us today as we talk about growing up internationally, the mistakes people make when they travel with kids, and how you can upgrade your travel in surprisingly inexpensive ways. Carmen, I am so thrilled to have you here on the Make Light Show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. You know, it's so funny because we're kind of old friends who just got reconnected after like a decade or something, right? Like we've known each other forever, (laughs) which is always so much fun. So, okay. When I knew you back in the day, you were like a big time blogger on the intersection (laughs) of race and pop culture, which is not what you're doing now. (laughs) It's not at all what I'm doing now. Not at all what you're doing now, which, by the way, I kind of miss that. I'm just going to say, because you, <laughs> you went in when people weren't going in yet. I, I sort of miss <laughs> that, you, that, that you're not there. But you, your background is in marketing and publishing. You are a political scientist and you're a world traveler, which I definitely want to ask you about. And now you're the founder of Top Flight Family, which is a online destination for um, upscale travel with, fam- with kids, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I am, you know, back when I knew you, I was single, no kids, just living my life. (laughs) (laughs) Now, fast forward 10 years later, um, I'm married. We've got two kids. We've uh, two daughters, ages eight and five, as of this recording. Who are pistols. Yeah, I'm just like super. Yes, they're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, And yeah, we just we love traveling and I'm super passionate about also kind of inspiring other families to do the same. Well, I love that. And we're totally going to get into that. And you and I sort of had a, um, an offline conversation about how we both approach travel and which is why I asked you to be here because, um, I think we have sort of a similar mindset about travel. Um, but I want to start like, first of all, um, if you don't mind telling people kind of about your background, because you have a pretty international background yourself. I do. Yes. So I was born in Hong Kong. My mom um, is Hong Kong Chinese. My dad, uh, he's passed now. He's Belgian. And um, yeah, so I mostly grew up in Hong Kong, but we actually moved around quite a bit when I was little. So we lived a couple of years in Belgium, which is where my dad is from. Um, And then we also lived for four years in Shanghai on mainland China. And this was in the mid 80s. So this was when Hong Kong, I mean, sorry, China was just starting to open up to the world um, economically. So it was um, definitely not the sort of ritzy city that we know of today. <laughs> um, like literally when we moved there, a lot of people were still wearing like the blue and green Mao jackets, like the oh, Mao wow. suits. Wow. Yeah. So it was, you know, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> it was full on. No, you're not. <laughs> don't, don't say that because you're younger than me. So, so you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So you were in no, China. I didn't realize, I mean, you were in Shanghai. I didn't realize that. I thought your entire um, Chinese life was in Hong Kong. No, no. So, yeah, we lived in Shanghai for four years uh, between the ages of like eight and 12. And actually, mm-hmm. the reason that we left is um, because, uh, you know, in 89, when all the pro-democracy uh, protests were happening, it got really dicey. No one was really sure what was going on. And we actually had to evacuate like right when Tiananmen Massacre happened. Oh, wow. Um, my father's company basically just essentially like got everybody out on the first flight mm-hmm. um, out of the country. So it was a very abrupt end to what was actually kind of an idyllic, you know, part of my childhood. Mm. Um, like, so, did you, yeah, you had to leave everything behind? Memories. Did, did you have to leave everything behind? Like that, that kind pretty of fast? Pretty much. Wow. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I think eventually, like after things had settled down a few months later, my parents went back and kind of, you know, packed everything up. Yeah. But yeah, we just, we just had to bounce. Wow. Goodness. And where did you go from there? So from there, um, 
we moved back to Hong Kong. And, okay. um, and then I basically stayed there um, until I graduated from high school, at which point I moved to New York. And I've been here ever since. Okay. So I asked you, I remember I asked you this before, like you, you spent, it sounds like most of your childhood in non-English speaking places, yet you have a perfectly <laughs> American English accent. How did that happen? Yeah, that's kind of, kind of a funny story. So when we lived in Shanghai, I went to an American school there, mm-hmm. Shanghai American school, um, which in and of itself, that school has a very interesting history. Um, but anyway, that's another show. <laughs> um, so then when I moved back to Hong Kong, I enrolled in like a British international school. And I just, <laughs> this is super childish, but I just really bristled at like the colonial overlords <laughs> that were our <laughs> British teachers. And so just as kind of a flipping the bird, I guess I decided to like keep my American accent. That's and strangely awesome. enough, both of my sisters, neither of whom really they're much younger than me. Like mm-hmm. we, they both also speak with a fairly American accent. So yeah, we're kind of the odd ducks. Um, there's no particular reason we speak this way, um, except for the for for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is so amazing. But so, what was English the language that your family spoke at home when you were growing uh, mostly, up? Mostly, yeah, mostly. Um, my mom, obviously, she speaks Cantonese, and my dad, uh, he's he understood. I would say 80% of it. So okay. in my household, it was definitely a mix of Cantonese and English. Okay. Um, but English has always been my best language. Cantonese, yeah, I have a, I have a little bit of a, of an accent. So, yeah. and it's, I'm not like super fluent. <laughs> so, okay. so, okay. So then you, you come to the United States. Where did you go to university again? Uh, I went to Columbia. Okay. So you come to New York and you go to Columbia and that's where you meet your beautiful husband who is from Benin, right? Yes, he is from Benin. Um, and we did meet uh, my last year of college, uh, but he was not a student. Okay. Oh, look so at you. Just to, you know. One of the, one of the local the boys. campus guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He really is. He's like born and raised in New York, which, you know, there's not a lot of people you find that are actually born here. Right, right, right. So, so your family is incredibly multicultural, multinational, multiracial, which is fantastic. Um, because it yeah. situated you perfectly to write your blog back when I met you about the intersection of race <laughs> and pop culture, because you were seeing yes. it from all all angles. So I love this. And I lo- and you and I have spoken about travel as people who were who are immigrants, right, to the United States and how yeah. um, the way that we look at travel might be different from the way Americans look at travel. So tell me, like, I mean, obviously you moved a lot when you were a kid, but. Did you guys travel a lot, too? Did you visit places? Yes, we did. Um, So, yeah, I'm definitely very fortunate to have done a lot of traveling with my parents when I was a kid. Mm. And, you know, I I think, you know, certainly I think a lot of people kind of look with some derision on the fact that Americans don't travel much. But, you know, to be fair, America is a huge, huge country. (laughs) Exactly. So just to travel within um, the United States, you know, there's a lot to be seen right here. For sure. So I think, you know, I think that's definitely a factor. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that both of my parents are from very small places. You know, right. Hong Kong is, it's a city, right? It's yep. uh, just a city. It's not even a country. Well, now it's part of China. But, um, and then uh, my dad is from Belgium, which again, is a very small country. You know, yep. you drive a couple hours in any direction and you're in another country. <laughs> right, right, right. So... So I think the mindset is very different um, because you're kind of used to seeing yourself as part of a larger thing, you know, whether it's a continent or a country. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we we did travel quite a bit. Um, So when we lived in um, Hong Kong and in Shanghai, we traveled quite a bit around Asia, um, even down to Australia. Um, And then when we lived in Belgium, we definitely did a lot of traveling within Europe. And actually, even when we were living in Shanghai, we spent almost every summer in Belgium. Mm. So, and that was often a springboard for us to then to drive to other places. Right. One of my favorite trips that we did when I was a kid was uh, we drove through France um, all the way into Spain and we went to Seville, Yeah. uh, which I think that was the same year that they were doing the expo, which I think maybe was in Barcelona. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, that was an amazing experience and especially kind of meaningful because 
my name is Carmen and I'm actually named after the opera. By oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's essentially like where more or less where a lot of that took place. So it was right. really cool to, you know, like this opera that I had always kind of grown up with and knew the stories well to kind of be in that culture and like be really steeped in it and like see all the flamenco and the beautiful architecture. Um, even I was like a teenager then, but I, it definitely made a big impact. So, so I love this story. So, um, so tell me, like, looking back, um, what are the gifts that you think travel gave you as a child? Um, it definitely both traveling and moving around a lot as a kid um, definitely gave me the ability to adapt well mm-hmm. and. I have to say that's very against my nature. Like by nature, I'm actually super introverted, a big homebody. So the fact that I was kind of forced into these situations um, that were often very uncomfortable to me um, based on my personality, I think that that was a big gift because it really kind of forced me to open up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also, you know, I think it just also just the fact that travel was normalized for me. Right is I think a big deal and something that, you know, you know, we'll get to that later, but with my kids to them, traveling is a normal part of their life. It's not like this thing over here that only certain people do, right. you know, it's just kind of like something that we do and that seems totally normal. We expect everyone to. Do. So I think, um, I think definitely those, those two things, in addition to obviously, you know, all the kind of exposure to culture and history, um, that's a given, but I, I think in terms of like shaping personality, I would say those are the two big ones. Yeah, I think I, I would actually totally agree with you, you know, because um, just like you, you know, you were saying that both your parents are from small places. Um, and I obviously, uh, being from an island in the Caribbean, it's a small place. So if you're from the Caribbean, if you're going to travel, that generally means you're going to get off the island, right? Like, um, right. <laughs> and of course, all the other islands and all the other countries are very, very close. You know, you can get on a plane literally and in half an hour be in a different country, right? It's really, really easy yeah. um, to sort of hop around. But that said, my parents also were very, um, were very mindful about travel, even beyond the Caribbean. They were very, very into travel. And I agree with you. It's, it's one of those things where, um, there's just no fear, right? Like there's no fear about getting on a plane and going to a place and wondering if you're going to get by, like, you'll be like, I'll figure it out. You know, you know, there's this sort of, yeah. that's not to say that, you know, everything is always going to be great. Although I will admit that for the most part, it has for me, like I've never been anywhere and really had any sort of troubles like figuring out what to do um but uh but yeah i mean i think that there's something to be said about about not being afraid to experience something new um or to even live somewhere new right like it's just like well we'll, we'll do it right like it's right it's gonna happen. <laughs> so i love that okay so so travel is a huge part of your life now like you and your husband take your kids everywhere and you know i mean that's part of the whole reason that top flight um travel or sorry, Top Flight Family, your, your site was born. And so can you tell me a little bit about, um, about not, I mean, I understand why you would take your kids travel, but I, he- I hear a lot of families, for example, say, yeah, I definitely want to travel with my kids, but I don't want to travel till they're teenagers because I'm afraid they're going to forget everything. Um, and it's just going to be too much of a hassle. So tell me why it's important for you to be traveling with your children while they're so young. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's definitely one of the objections that you often hear, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like, oh, it seems like a waste. They're not going to remember it. And, you know, there's I think there's a couple areas I would push back on that. One is even if your kids don't remember it, you're going to remember. Yeah. (laughs) And and you're creating those amazing family, you know, memories. And I'm sure on the trip you're going to be taking pictures, probably taking video. And so even if your kids don't remember it, like um, we started traveling in earnest um, about a year and a half, two years ago, like when we started like really going hard. Yeah. (laughs) And um, (laughs) and um, Ella, our youngest, was three and a half. So the first trip that we took, the first international trip we took with her was to Cabo uh, in Mexico. Right. And uh, she does not remember that trip, even though I would think she would. It was like not that long ago, but I guess, you know, her little brain was very small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she still loves looking back at the pictures and watching videos. 
And, you know, it's something that she can still kind of participate in this memory, even if she herself may not remember it so much. So I think that's one thing is like, you will remember it even if your kids don't. And then the other thing is that I really feel that travel is a skill that has to be developed. And it's like Mm. working a muscle. You know, you have to, the earlier you start, the stronger it's going to be, the more frequent you do it, the, the stronger it'll be. So the fact that Ella has been traveling since she's three and a half, she's a trooper. Like you see her in the airport, she's pulling her own little carry on. Right. You know, she's got her backpack on. Right. Um, she knows that, you know, first we do security and then, you know, um, then we like, you know, wait in the lounge and we get on the plane. So she's she, like, she's used to the drill. She kind of rolls with the punches. Um, so I think those are those skills of like adaptability and, um, uh, of yeah just kind of i don't know i don't want to call it ruggedness because it's we don't we're not like backpackers <laughs> you know, we travel pretty comfortably <laughs> but you know when you're traveling with kids it's still like it's never that smooth right right sure um but yeah so i think having them develop those skills early on or another thing is dealing with jet lag mm. um they the girls had to deal with that you know really for the first time when we took them to hong kong uh last april and they were basically like sleeping the first three days, like yeah, every right, meal, less. like they were like literally <laughs> asleep on the table, hardly ate anything. So, you know, being having gone through that experience now, next time it happens, they're going to be like, oh, I know what this is like. And I know that it's going to go away after a few days. So right. I think for those two reasons, it's really important to start early. Yeah. So. um So, he, you know, here's the other objection. And, and I think this one is also actually quite valid is. Um, it's just cost prohibitive sometimes, right? Like it's, it's one of those yeah. things where you're like, yeah, it was great when it was just the two of us because it was X amount. And <laughs> as you and I both know, after they're two years old, there's no such thing as a child seat on a plane, right? Like you're yes. generally playing full fare. So like, um, tell me about how you prioritize travel, right? Um, because I think uh, like my, my thing is we love to travel as well, but there are certain things that I know families that are maybe in our same income bracket, they have a lot more of than we don't, but we travel a lot more than they do. Right. Like we sort of, um, we've made it a priority. So, so tell us why travel you think should be a priority for kids. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right that it is all about priorities. Yeah. So, and then I think there's also different travel styles, yeah. um, which I want to kind of acknowledge. So I think first of all, if travel is important to your family, you can kind of line up your money in ways where you put more towards travel and less towards other things. You right. know, I think a lot of families who do a lot of traveling um, are not necessarily rocking all the new name brand stuff all the time, right? right. Like they're <laughs> shopping at cheaper stores, you know, they're wearing hand-me-downs. Not to say that they're totally like scrimping and saving every penny, but it's like, you know, this area we're not that concerned about. We'd rather spend that on travel. Right. So I think for sure, in terms of finances, you can make it a priority. Um, And then the other thing is, you know, you can also you also need to find your own travel style as a family. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Top Life family, we focus primarily on luxury family travel more upscale um, experiences, as opposed to a lot of family travel media, which focus more on budget. Right. And I decided to do that because I felt like there was a real. there wasn't a lot of information on this topic. So there's tons of luxury travel media, but they don't talk about kids. Right. <laughs> They're oh, primarily targeting like retirees or, you know, kind of like, you know, sort of single older people. Right. Um, and then conversely, a lot of family travel really only focused on budget. And I felt like there were more and more people like me and Serge where we waited Serge is your husband, quite a while right? to have kids. Yes, yeah, Serge is my yeah. husband. Yep. You know, we waited a while to have kids during that time. You know, we kind of, you know, did some traveling, got used to staying at a certain kind of hotel. And when kids came along, we didn't necessarily want to have to like go stay at the roadside motel like that (laughs) didn't feel fun to us. Right. And um, so I felt like there there was definitely kind of a niche of families that want to travel, but want to do it a little bit more comfortably. Um, So that said, in terms of different travel styles, you know, a lot of our readers will 
are not frequent travelers, but they'll right. plan one big trip where they go all out. So right. they'll like splurge on like the nicest hotel. They'll fly first class. So they'll make that like a big splurge trip. Ooh, and then maybe the rest class. of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big expense right there. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people have miles from like yeah. business travel and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other show. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then other people um, may you know, they'd rather travel more frequently, but kind of do it at a more modest scale. So right. it's like, we're not going to stay at five-star hotels for every trip. That's not really feasible, but maybe we can do three and a half star, four stars, um, and, you know, fly a coach, but then we'll spend money on these different experiences. So, you know, I think as a family, you kind of have to figure out your own style and there's no right and there's no wrong. We obviously travel more than the average family probably because, you know, now I have a blog, so we kind of <laughs> need to right. write about stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, those I, I think those are some considerations. I, I'm, I love this. And I'm glad that you brought up the luxury channel um, travel thing. I wasn't going to ask you this, but it, it brings up something that I know that I am very mindful of with my daughter, um, because I like you. I am I am not going to stay in like a motel like that's really hard for me like like as a matter of fact or, I, I or think, a hostel or oh that's never gonna happen like <laughs> that, that didn't even happen when i was a kid when i was in college uh, but yes yeah, but one of the things that i think is but but like for example one of the things that we do that you know that our little travel hack is is like if we go somewhere um like when we went to paris um we actually did vrbo we rented an apartment which was way cheaper than getting a, you know, a hotel. And it meant that we were cooking and everything else like that. So, but it was really comfortable and it was actually, you know, fun to live like a local for a fraction of the price it would have been if we had stayed in a hotel. So, um, so yeah, there's ways to kind of go around having to stay in a motel thing. But one of the things, and this is the question that I'd love to hear your take on it is travel is generally seen as a luxury. I think no matter how, how, um, low you know scale you do it like if you tend to travel say once a year even people kind of mm -hmm. think of that as a luxury um and my question and international travel i think is, is especially considered a luxury even though in my family and in your family we have family outside of the country so visiting family generally yes. means you're going to grab your passport anyway right um how do you raise kids to not to, to remain grounded, to realize, to think of travel in a way that it is much more about the experience of connecting and connection um, and not, oh, well, you're so wealthy because you get to get in a plane all the time or you're better than people who don't go in planes all the time. Like, that's something I'm always very mindful of with my daughter, that um, on one hand, she's very lucky to go travel, but on the other hand, it doesn't put her in some sort of upper echelon of, of people and you know how do you balance that yeah. with your kids yeah that's a good question i mean we're still pretty early in our travel and our parenting journey you know our yeah. daughters are five and eight yeah so you may actually be in a better position to <laughs> have views on this to be perfectly yeah. honest but yeah. but i will say that at least at this age you know this may change once you know they get into their teen and adult years but at least at this age um even though, especially Sean, our older daughter, is aware that, you know, the hotels we stay at are, you know, a little more fancy than the ones that other people stay at. Um, even at this age, I, I, I feel that to her, the main excitement of travel is the stuff you do once you're there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't like when she talks about travel with us or with her friends, it's, it doesn't have that air of like, well, you know, we just got back from Hong Kong and, and, um, and we stayed you know. at the five star, whatever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think she really thinks of it that way. Um, yeah. She is definitely aware of different levels of hotels and we don't always like not every single trip stay at luxury hotels exclusively. Um, and it's actually, you know, back to that Hong Kong trip, it was really interesting to me to see again, how adaptable they are. So, sure. Um, so during that trip, the, the first, we actually stayed at quite a few different hotels. Um, but basically two were luxury hotels that we were there to review. Um, and then we had a few days in between where we stayed at an Airbnb. And so we, right. you know, we started off in this super luxury hotel 
Um, and then, you know, the girls definitely enjoyed it. Then we moved to this uh, apartment and like every Hong Kong apartment, like if you look on Airbnb, like the nicest apartments are still like crazy tiny. Right. So it's like typical Hong Kong apartment. Um, and the apartment was was fine. You know, it was definitely very comfortable. Um, but it was on a street that was essentially a wet market. So, okay. wow. you know, so you walk out the door and, you know, there's like a butcher like chopping right. up pig bones and right. there's like, you know, you know, fresh fish and right. all those smells and liquids kind of swishing around on the floor. <laughs> and, you know, our girls were like fascinated. Like sure. there was not at all that moment of, oh, what is this? Especially right, right. like we just came from the Langham, like, mom, like, where are you bringing us? Um, it was like, oh, this is cool. Like, oh, look right. at the fish. Oh, look at him chopping stuff up. Like, so it was really interesting to me to see that they were not phased at all by the difference in accommodations, that it was all an adventure to them. Right. You know, the high end stuff is an adventure. The wet market is an adventure. So I think, you know, I think the type of travel that you do, um, you know, I, I really think that kids see those little adventures and experiences like that's the thing they value more than I don't think they necessarily see it as like prestige. I right. Think. And I think, yes. I mean, as you were talking, I think, you know, because I, th I think Alex is the same way. Like, it, it, it's something that I'm always mindful of. But if I'm frank, I haven't had to deal with it with my daughter. Right. Like, she doesn't say anything. Um, and I, I th as you talk, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, with the experiences that you give your kid, like you said, when you're there. But it, it's things like if you go to um, whatever foreign country that you don't simply seek out the Starbucks and the McDonald's. Right. To eat it like you actually. Yes experience the local culture and you get something from the local culture as much as possible we we actually i actually will not go to anything that is american if i'm outside of the country like i just i flat <laughs> refuse to i really do um if i want a coffee i will go to the local coffee house of wherever we are before i'll go to any you know american chain um coffee thing and um it's something that I'm like, if I'm traveling, then I want to experience the place, right? Like I, if, if I wanted Starbucks, I'd stay home if I, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, I think yeah. that, um, it sounds to me like your kid, like if you're staying in an apartment, that's right in a wet market, right? Like your kid is getting an idea. Your kids are getting an idea of what local life is like. Right. And not only yeah. are they getting an idea of it, they are a part of it. Like they're by staying in that apartment, they're actually here. You know, it's not something they're peering through. Uh, uh, you know, the car as it drives past, they're actually, you know, becoming a part of it. And I think that's, um, that's really important, I think, for kids. Um, yeah. And, and if, if I could kind of give a plug to one of my friends who has a great resource. Um, so Karen Apkin, she's also a travel blogger, mm -hmm. and she operates this Facebook group called Black Kids Do Travel. Mm -hmm. And the whole mission is to really show that, hey, Black families are out here traveling. Like, you don't see it. If you look at photos from ads so and hotel websites it's always it's almost always white family like, yeah let's be real um so anyway the the group it's a fantastic group so definitely look it up if if you're if that's of interest to you but the reason i bring her up is because she takes it to another level so mm. not just in terms of you know i think a lot of families are starting to do the airbnb thing to have to have the experience of living like a local yeah she will actually enroll her kids at a local school and no. let them go to school with local kids for like a week or however long they're there yeah and you know i i haven't gotten into the details yet of like exactly how she does it but oh, my daughter would so not amazing. be about that <laughs> and her kids yeah <laughs> Although she has like four-year-old twins. But, All right. Okay. Um, I, I think like, that's amazing. Because my 13-year-old would be like, I am not going on vacation to go back to school. Like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like that's exactly. just not happening. I'll go hang out with the kids after school if you want. Right. <laughs> like we'll, we'll kick it on the playground, but uh, that's it. <laughs> so let me let me ask you quickly, do do you do you ever pull your kids out of school to travel? I do. <laughs> do you? No, no, no. It's funny. I, 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 I and do, I hear I the do. guilt because I, I tend not to. I have, but I, t well, that's not true. I was going to say I tend not to. Like we travel a lot to England, my husband's um, home, homeland, right? Around Thanksgiving time, because that's when like airfare is really low for, to, from traveling mm -hmm. from the U.S. to, and so I'll pull her out for the whole week, right? Like I'm like, okay, you're going to miss sure. a couple days beforehand because we're going to see family and. And this is the only time of the year we can afford to to buy the tickets. Um, you say that guiltily, but 
that you, that you pull your kids out. But I mean, why is it why is it worth but it? Am to you I to that do it? guilty? Yeah, that's that, that was the question, right? Like like you say it guiltily, but 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 it's clearly worth it to you to do it. So tell me tell me about that. Like, how do you weigh that? It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, I think this is like every every family is different. In sure. This case. Um, so to me, as much as possible, I do try to tr- to schedule our travel around the kids um, school holidays. Yeah. Um, however, there are going to be. Well, I think a, a few different situations. One is if airfare is cheaper, you know, leaving on a Monday, then guess what? They're going to miss an extra Monday of school because mm. we're going to save this amount on airfare so you know we definitely do a lot of like tacking one or two days on on before or the or after a school break so that i don't think is such a big deal yeah um but also you know now that we're becoming a little more you know somewhat noticed in the travel space we're getting invitations to go to places and kind of review resorts or destinations or experiences and um a lot of times those invitations come in the middle of a school week yeah and you know, if it's something that seems like really worth it, then yeah, absolutely. I'll pull the kids out of school. I mean, the, the most recent uh, time that happened was in early December. Um, we were invited out to Beaver Creek in Colorado, um, which is a big ski town. Mm-hmm. And we basically spent uh, three, four days <clears throat> like skiing for the first time. Um, it was the first time for the girls and, you know, kind of getting to know that that part of the country. And it was absolutely worth them missing that week of school because, you know, it's they picked up an amazing skill. They made new friends. Right. Um, they they saw part of American history. I mean, we on the drive from the Denver airport to the ski resort, we drove through these old mining towns like it literally was like something out of Westworld. Right. And it was fascinating to me because I've mostly most of my travel within the U.S. has been you know, on either coast, up to Chicago, down to Florida. I haven't really been to a lot of the states that are in the middle yet. Right. And so that was an area I'd never seen before. So that even to me, I was like, whoa, amazing. (laughs) So, yeah, I I think um, I think, you know, this is another question that comes up. Obviously, education is important, but I also think that travel is a different form of education and it's equally valuable. Um, I wouldn't necessarily pull them out for a week to just like go lay at a resort you right. know, for a week like right, right, a right, resort right. and like not experience anything. Right. Um, but if it has, if it's something of a unique experience, then yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. Yeah. And I've actually had, I mean, we, we, um, are, 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 we've been really lucky with the, with the teachers that my daughter has had. Um, and a lot of times they'll have said, they will have said, well, yeah, you, you know, pull, pull them out, but pull her out. But we expect a report on what she experienced. Right. And so or yeah. we expect her to, to share photographs. Like we're going to put aside some time for her to share some photographs of what she saw and tell us about the trip um, or yeah, tell us what absolutely. she learned about this. And I, I found actually that even if I offer that, like with the teachers, they get kind of excited about it. Like we're going to this place. <laughs> um, and if, you know, I'm a photographer, so I know there's going to be good right, shots. So I'll be course, like, I'll course. be able to say, you know, we're going to go see these things. And if you'd like, Alex can talk about it when she gets back. Um, and then it really does become something of a, of a, uh, of an educational trip as well. You know, it, 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 we tend to go places anywhere where we have some education involved. Um, but the, also just the, the ability for her to stand up in front of her class and, and talk and practice, you know, sort of public speaking and sharing what she, what she saw and what she learned and what was different and what was the same, um, has been kind of lovely, a, a lovely experience for her once she gets back. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's all about communication with the teacher. Yeah. You know, at the start of every school year, I kind of let the teacher know that, hey, you know, I'm a travel blogger, so we travel more often than usual. There will be some times where we need to take them out of school, though as I avoid that as much as possible. Right. So they kind of, they're not, it's not a total shock not when blindsided. they yeah. get a message from me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got two more questions that I have to ask um, that, I'm, I, that I'm really, especially after everything that we've talked about. The first one is, so what are some of the biggest mistakes that families make when they travel with their kids? Yeah. So I think there's three mistakes that I see most often. And number one is trying to do too much. Mm. So I think this is something that a lot of us are guilty of. You know, you're going to an exciting destination that you've never been before. And you're like, I want to see and do everything and right. maximize my time. Right. Now, if you're just traveling, you yourself, friends, your partner, that's that may work. But when you're traveling with kids, like you really have to build in downtime. 
Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> That's so true. not just kind of for to manage their energy, but I think it just it's often those like uh, free moments when yeah. the most meaningful exchanges happen. So I think it's important not just for you don't want to like run your kids ragged. That's obviously one practical consideration. Yep. But also you want to build in a little bit of that space for the family to just like, like spread out and relax and enjoy each other's, you know, company. Yeah. So I think that's, that's definitely one. Love that. Yeah. Um, another one is overpacking. <laughs> oh, you, but you looked at my suitcase, <laughs> didn't you? I am famous. For I did. This. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be too. And um, actually, surprisingly, my husband is more of an overpacker than me, but <laughs> He's been getting much better. So um, I think when, and it's understandable, especially if you're traveling with younger children, there's this fear of like, oh my God, what if like we forget something that we really need, especially with babies, right? Right, right, sure. Um, there's so much gear. Um, but just get into the mindset of like, really think about where you're traveling to. And if there's something you forgot, would you be able to buy it there? Right. And most of the time, the answer is yes, unless yep. you're going to some super remote place. Um, the typical destinations that many families are traveling to are not extremely remote. Um, yeah. They tend to be well-stocked in a lot of different toiletries and things like that. Mm. So um, you don't have to bring every single convenience item from home with you. You know, either learn to go without for a few days or just buy it once you get there. And then, so I would say stop overpacking. And then when you're ready for the next challenge, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend that everybody flies carry on only. Even oh my when God, you're traveling you're a with crazy kids. person. <laughs> <laughs> even, even if you're going internationally, you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Really? You travel carry on only? Oh, yeah. We traveled carry on. Okay. Uh, oh, let my me brag. God. I think you heard the story before, Karen. But so uh, that ski trip to Colorado, yeah. not only did we fly carry on only, I had enough room left in one bag where we were able to fit all our winter coats in there. So we didn't have to lug them around in the airport. I don't even understand <laughs> that. Like you just said words that don't make any sense to me. I don't, you know, I will tell you, you know what it, it is. First of all, the, the overpacker is definitely me and my family. Like Alex is, she packs pretty well. My husband definitely is not, but he's an underpacker if anything, but I will pack <laughs> the entire closet. Um, but yeah. The other thing, the thing that had for us that's really tough, this is, a, I'm, excu I'm making excuses now, okay, just so you know, like, let, let's be really clear, mm -hmm. is a lot of times when we travel, like, to England, right, we're visiting family, and so we bring presents, right, because okay. we bring, no, that's yeah, fair. especially at Thanksgiving, we, you know, because we're going to pass for that, we're going to be like, no, 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 wait, I don't, here's why, right, so we'll put <laughs> presents in for Christmas, but then we're like, well, hell, if we're checking a bag, <laughs> like we might as well oh, fill it. Right? Oh. <laughs> you I know, see, you see. know, so it's it's not good. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, we might as well just throw a bunch of other stuff in. So that is amazing. OK, so now we talked about luxury travel. That's what you write about. Like, mm -hmm. and I'm going to tell you, I am like you. I love I love a comfortable hotel. Right. Like, I love that. Yeah. But I go without a lot in order for me to do that, right? Like I drive a 12 year old car, we have a simple house, like we do a lot, mm -hmm. we sacrifice a lot. So one of the things that I know you talk about is how you can upgrade um, with less money. And I don't even understand how that's possible. So tell, so are there yes. ways that you could upgrade your travel with, with little money? Yes, yeah, so um, there's three upgrades that I highly recommend for family. So I'll tell you the three and then I'll kind of go through what each of them are in more tell detail. Me. So one is upgrade the size of your room. That's number one. Number two is invest in either global entry or TSA pre-check. And I'll come back that. to that. Yeah, I need to do that. You don't have that, Karen? I know, and I travel a lot. Okay. I, I travel like from right. work a I'll, lot. I'll yell I at you later. Yeah, so you will have to yell at me for that because okay. I need to do that. <laughs> and then number three is um, invest in some childcare on the trip. So Ooh. let me go back to number one. Yeah, I can't so wait to hear this. Upgrade. Yeah. So upgrade the size of your room. And this is something that makes a world of difference. You know, I think um, the if you book the, the sort of typical setup is if let's say you're a family of three or four, oftentimes families will kind of all crowd into one double room. So it's like you know two double beds next to each other. There's another way. However. Yeah, absolutely. Um, upgrade to a one bedroom suite or well, don't if be you crazy. Can really... that you can't afford that. Oh, you can. Absolutely. Listen, a lot of 
um, a lot of the lower to medium priced hotel chains have a lot of these options. Embassy Suites is a great place for that. Hampton Inn. A lot of these mm. kind of mid to lower price hotels have really nice setups. And I love a one bedroom suite because we let our girls sleep on the pullout couch in the right. living room. We can put them to bed early. They get enough sleep. And then Serge and I can stay up a little later, watch some TV, watch a movie, enjoy some wine and kind of enjoy each other's time. So I would say the the number one upgrade I recommend is oh, get so some kind of a separation. Yeah. So even if it means like, you know, staying in uh, maybe like a lower class hotel than you would if you were all in one double room, it's worth it to have that extra space. Wow. That's great. Okay. All right. That's a good one. All right. TS. Oh, and going? actually, sorry. One, one more thing about that. Um, yep. another, another kind of place to look for these types of room setups is um, a lot of the chains that are aimed at extended stay travelers. So like Homewood Suites, Hilton Garden Inn, a lot of these mm. hotels are set up for those long-term corporate gigs where someone's going to be stationed in a city for a few weeks or a couple right. months. Um, those often have kitchens too. So they're yeah. really good for families. Yeah. That's why that, that what you just said, that's why we, we often um, like VRBO or, you know, rent an apartment when we go, it's like a kitchen is yeah. so nice when you have kids. It's really easy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Airbnb. Those are all great yeah. options. Um, so number two is global entry slash TSA pre-check. So <laughs> I know. For, let me just kind of explain what that is. Um, a lot of your listeners may already know, but um, so essentially these are two different programs that allow you to skip ahead in mm. immigration and security lines. So TSA pre-check, um, basically it's, it's you apply for it and it essentially authorizes you as a low risk traveler. And so um, then you get a lot of perks. You get to go to a separate security line that's mm -hmm. usually 90% shorter than the regular one. Yep. Um, you often don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take out your laptops or your liquids. You still have to keep the liquids to the recommended size. Right. But you don't have to take them out of your bags. And this is a godsend when you're going through security with kids because it's like it just makes it so much faster. That's so smart. Um, yeah. So if you are mostly doing domestic travel, then definitely look into TSA PreCheck. I believe it's $85 per person and it lasts five years. That's amazing. Um, and um, kids who are 12 and younger can use, they don't need their own membership. If they're traveling with you, then they automatically oh, get okay. to. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I just now, if it. you're traveling <laughs> more, yeah, if you're traveling more internationally, like you, Karen, going to England every year. Not every well, year. Let's, let's, let's slow that down. It's been oh, about okay. three years. I wish it was every year. Yeah, it's been about three years. But yeah, okay. frequently okay, enough. Then it's okay that you don't yeah. have it. <laughs> All right. Um, then um, apply for global entry. Yeah. Because um, global entry actually includes the TSA pre-check. Yeah. Um, but global entry basically is when you come back to the U.S., instead of standing in that long immigration line, you scan your passport and fingerprints at this little kiosk, um, and then you just go straight through to the baggage claim. And amazing. when you have a global entry membership, it also comes with the TSA pre. So you don't you can like skip the long security line. Yeah. Um, so the, the scoop with this is it costs 100 bucks and is good for five years. Mm -hmm. um, but then every member of the family needs their own, including the kids. OK, so Sean and Ella both have it. Okay. Um, but here's how you save money on that. Um, there are a lot of travel credit cards that will completely credit the fee back to you. What? If you use that credit card to pay for it. Yeah. So if you pay for global entry, for example, with like either Chase Sapphire Reserve or, or Amex Platinum, um, so you swipe with that card, then they will actually credit the full fee back to what? you on your next statement. Yeah. So you what? get it for free. I'm <laughs> so glad I had you years. on the show. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us about, tell me about the, the paying for childcare. That, that yes. seems like a full on luxury to me, like to pay okay, for childcare. So yeah. So now I'm not necessarily saying like childcare for the entire duration of the trip, but I strongly recommend to parents that at least one day of the trip, like have some kind of childcare kind of built into the trip so that you can enjoy some time alone or with your partner. Mm. Um, and there's a few options. Like if you're going to more of a beach destination, most resorts these days have kids clubs. Yeah. Kids clubs are basically, you know, it's like daycare. You it's drop like them fun off. daycare, people, man. Yeah, fun daycare, <laughs> like right? Beach daycare, sandy daycare. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there's like staff there supervising the kids. Um, very often, you know, if you're at kind of a better resort, 
there was actually like really well-designed programming yep. for the kids each yep. day. And so, you know, sometimes it's, it's included for free if it's, a, if it's an all-inclusive, if it's a more upscale resort, you often have to pay extra either for a half day or a full day. Yep. It's very, very worth it. And the kids need a break from you too. It's yep. not just you needing a break from that. Yep. Like the kids enjoy it. Um, and then the other thing is um, if, you, if you're traveling to a city or something, you're, there's not going to be a kids club likely in your hotel. Um, arrange for a babysitter just like one evening or one mm. day. Um, because <clears throat> you can find a local babysitting agency. Very often hotels can recommend someone for you. Mm. But it's great to have a break from each other. The kids, I, I know that my daughters love babysitters because they yeah. just love getting to know like new adults that are interested in them. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then also, you know, there's other reasons to get babysitters other than having a romantic, you know, dinner with your partner. Maybe it's just that there's a, an activity that you you know, you want to do that your kids are too young for or not interested in. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, they're taken care of. You don't have to deprive yourself of that activity. So definitely get over the notion that like every moment has to be spent together yeah. during a family vacation. It's healthy to have that separation. The kids enjoy it. They need it. And it's going to just make like for an overall richer experience. I love it. I love that. This has been so great having you on the show. Okay, so I'm, we're going to go into a bullet round. Yes. All right. Um, and uh, it's very, very easy. I'm going to give you, on some of these, I'm going to give you sort of a choice between two things. A couple of these, I'm just going to ask you a quick question. And mm -hmm. first thing that comes to mind. Okay? Okay. So easy peasy. So like coffee or tea? Tea. Okay. See? Easy, right? <laughs> All right. Um, Hong Kong or Belgium? Hong Kong. Uh, all right, cool. All right. When it comes to family travel, city or beach? Oh, city. Really? Tell me why. Um, I love beach, yep. but it can be a lot of the same. Yeah. Um, especially if you're at like staying at a resort, not doing a lot of exploring. So I think, you know, every there's every city has its own flavor. Yeah. So I think there's just a lot more diversity. To be had. I, I will agree with you. There. I will. I never turn my nose up at a beach vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Okay. And then here's just a question that I just wonder: Do you have a favorite tradition you do with your family on vacation? Huh. Yes, we Tell do me. actually. Um, I never thought of this before as a tradition, but it is. Um. So usually when we're at home, you know, we'll do stories before we put the girls to bed, like, you know, reading a book. Yep. Um, but we don't usually bring books on vacation because we fly carry on only. Right. And they're heavy. Right? Just just to, you know, just to reiterate that point, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> just kidding. Um, um, so what we do instead is we basically like we me and Serge tell either the three little pigs story or the goldilocks story right and each time surge is the big bad wolf and like <laughs> makes crazy noises and scares the girls and jumps on their beds and they love it like every night it's like oh let's do three little bears ah. <laughs> so <awesome>. yeah that's <laughs> that's definitely a tradition i never thought about that until you asked that that's question that's awesome but, yeah. now the trick is going to be able to do that until they're 18 and 15 right like make sure that they, <laughs> know, that's right? still something that you can still do okay so the last, next three questions are questions my daughter always tells me to ask everybody so pandora or spotify neither yeah me either what do you do to listen to music napster do you for, You're formerly old known school. as Rhapsody. Yeah, <laughs> formerly known as Rhapsody. But let me tell you why. It's because my husband runs a karate school and we were for the longest time we were trying to find a streaming service that offered clean versions of songs. Uh -huh. Because even in even though it's an adult class, like we don't really like we like playing hip hop, but then we don't really, you know, need all the gruesome details, right? right. <laughs> um <laughs> so um yeah, Rhapsody was the only one that has clean versions. And, it, and it's awesome. got everything. Like, it's totally slept on. I don't know why, like, like people don't acknowledge that it even exists. That's but, awesome. Yeah, Thank you. It meets all my needs. That's <laughs> awesome. And Facebook or Instagram? <sighs> I'm not a big fan of either one. These <laughs> <days>. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that's from a blogger perspective. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, like for personal use, 
um, I, I vary. Yeah. Right now, I'm a little heavier towards Facebook than Instagram. But, right. you know, in a couple of months, the answer could be different. Switch. And finally, what does it mean to thrive? I think to me, it is to really feel like you're making the most of your time with your family. Mm. And obviously for us, that often involves travel. But, you know, I, I try as much as I can to be mindful of the non-travel moments. And actually, the reason I say that is it's when you travel a lot, mm-hmm. it can be easy to feel like when you're traveling, that's when your real life is. Mm-hmm. And when you come back, it's just waiting until the next trip, yeah. which is a very unhealthy dynamic. And yeah. I know that a lot of people who do a lot of traveling feel that like when you come back from a trip, it's like, oh, you feel kind of depressed. You're back to the old routine. Right. So I think it's it's it can be challenging, but it's important to, I think, find the beauty in those regular moments, too, of like your quote unquote everyday life or your quote unquote boring routines. <laughs> um, and to not look only to travel as the escape, you know, from yeah. from the mundane, like to really find beauty, beauty in the mundane, if that yeah. makes sense. Love it. Oh, my gosh. This was so much fun. Carmen, thank you so much <laughs> for being a part of this. Thank you, Karen. It was so much fun. <laughs> it's so amazing talking with Carmen. I could talk travel with her all day. I'm so grateful to her for joining me here on the Make Light Show. And as always, I'm so grateful to you for joining us as well. If you'd like to find out more about today's guest, Carmen Signovi, and her work at Top Flight Family, be sure to check out the show notes at themakelightshow.com. And if you're talking about today's episode on social media, don't forget to use hashtag MateLightShow so I can find you. I'm Karen Walrand, and I'll be back next week with a new episode. In the meantime, make sure to subscribe rate and review this show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. Thrive on, friends.